Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations, Business of Design. Kimberly is currently traveling, so I reached out to Business of Design member Dane Austin to take over the mic. Dane was a guest on the show back in July 2021, which was episode 230, and he candidly walked us through how his team expertly does the big reveal with his clients. We love Dane and all he has to share with our community. So we brought him back in January this year for a member exclusive Mo BOD episode and again for a BOD live where he shared with other members exactly how he presents his contract to clients at the consultation. So when Kimberly left for a much deserved holiday, I knew exactly who to reach out to to step in. So in this episode, BOD member Dane Austin takes over the mic and talks with fellow design professional Sasha Thind about how when your process is structured, it allows the creativity to flow. When members of our community get together to share experience and expertise, we all gain. Both Dane and Sasha share their systems candidly. I love how Sasha points out that at the end of the day, clients are hiring you for a feeling. On the design side, you may give them exactly what they asked for right from the beginning or give them a whole new concept they hadn't even dreamed of. But the end result is the feeling they get when they enter their home or completed space. That's what they've hired you for. But you are the expert and how you get them there is up to you. It's your business. Be the expert in the room. Now, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't do a few announcements before I handed things over to Dane. So here we go. Since we're headed into September this week, let's focus on what's happening now because our events calendar is getting pretty full. So coming up, Kimberly is headed to New York for Take Flight, thriving as a small design business, which is sponsored by Daniel House Club. That's going to be part of the What's New, What's Next event at New York Design Center. That's going to be happening at 4 p.m. on September 14th, and you can head to the website for full details. This panel discussion is going to be hosted by Interior Design Magazine, and she's going to be joined by Daniel House Club and five industry leaders, and they're going to be sharing the tools that they use to help their businesses flourish. And of course, Kimberly's going to be sharing some BOD systems and help you take your business to the next level. So again, head to the website for complete details on that. Coming up on September 21st is our next BOD Live and we're gonna be doing a book club. So I hope that you are already reading Atomic Habits. Of course, you don't have to read the book to participate, but you do need to be a Business of Design member to get in on our BOD Live meeting. So join us for that book club on the 21st, 1 p.m. EST, and we're gonna be showing what we took away from reading that book. And at the end of the month, join us September 29th for Kimberly's commercial project contract. This is a two-hour virtual seminar. Kimberly's going to walk through her commercial contract and share exactly how the 15-step project management strategy works on commercial projects. And of course, if you join us live, you're going to have a chance to participate in the live Q&A. If you have questions, feel free to send them to me in advance. Make sure you sign up. And of course, you can just unmute yourself and ask Kimberly live and have that conversation. Make sure that you don't leave that two-hour seminar with questions. So September is looking really full, but I am going to throw one more date at you. I did just post the details to the website for the BOD Elite Retreat Charleston and Savannah 2023. Of course, that's not happening until April 27th to 30th. 
but the important date to mark your calendar for is that registration opens on September 15th. If you've previously attended a retreat or you are a BOD boss member, watch your inbox on September 15th because we're gonna send you an email with some additional savings. But of course, if you're a Business of Design member, you're already gonna save on your ticket. And of course, we'll also have some early bird um, pricing and, and perks to go along with that. So details on all of this are available at businessofdesign.com. And now I'm gonna hand things over to Dane. Thanks so much for being here. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. And now a word from our awesome sponsor, Daniel House Club. Thanks, guys, for sponsoring Business of Design podcast. We really appreciate it. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast or a member of Business of Design, you know we don't frequently have sponsors, and that's because I feel an obligation to each one of you to make sure anyone who appears on this podcast that we endorse does a great job helping us interior design professionals do our job. And now I can say I have worked directly with Daniel House Club, and I've been thrilled with the results. So what is Daniel House Club? I'm glad you asked. It's an amazing tool that allows us to make multiple purchases from multiple suppliers and vendors all in one place. And it gives us the deep discounts, which allow us to be profitable and to save our clients money. Recently, I know they had a purchase of over $100,000 from one designer, and that one purchase included 93 items from 22 different vendors. Imagine how much time you could save with that kind of buying power. Even if you have a small firm, trust me, this is a great resource. Let me tell you something else I love. When I signed up to become a member, I got 30 days of free shipping, and that is substantial these days. So we really took advantage of that with our first order and, in fact, a couple subsequent orders. We even ship product across the border, U.S. to Canada. Pretty sweet. You lucky business of design listeners can go to danielhouse.club and you can sign up for your own membership using the discount code BODPRO. You'll get 50% off on your membership and that coveted 30-day free shipping. Thank you, Daniel House, for sponsoring Business of Design. So I'm so excited to have you on our show today. I'm Dane Austin, and I'm a guest host for Kimberly Selden's uh, podcast, and I'm super excited to welcome our friend and colleague, Sasha Thind, from Boston, Massachusetts area. I'm so grateful that you agreed to be a part of this interview. Thanks so much for having me on, Dane. Uh, you know, when we met, uh, I thought we had a great synergy, and I was excited to, to chat with you a little bit more about uh, how we do things. Definitely. We had started touching on some really interesting different topics about design and the process of design and business. And I just thought you'd be such a great guest to have on the show. So I'm excited to dive in with you today. 
I know that you had some great ideas for some of the touch points that we could talk about today. Um, and part of that is uh, your process. But before we get into that, I would just love if you could give a little bit of background information about yourself, um, how long you've been in business and how big your team is, just to give everyone sort of a frame of reference. Sure. Um, so uh, I am based in Boston, similar to you, and uh, I have been in business for 10 years now. We're celebrating our 10th year and uh, it's really flown by. Uh, it's been you know, very interesting and fun. And um, I actually started my career in architecture. I studied architecture and I followed my grandmother and my mother in that, in that way. Uh, they are also architects in India. And, uh, but I realized shortly after that, that I, my true passion was in interior design. I think the scale really appealed to me and the personal touch that it can create. Um, and I started to focus on that more. So yeah, it's been a good ride. Um, I'm actually from India, um, worked in several other places, but then finally landed in Boston where I started my studio. My team is, uh, so it's right now we are about three people. Um, I have a bookkeeper. I have an admin assistant. I have a uh, drafter. And then it's myself as a principal designer. That's great. So it sounds like you have a nice boutique-sized firm and you have a, some, some really uh, instrumental key players in place to free you up to do what you do best. Yes. I love that. So I'm curious how you found out about Kimberly Selden and, and her 15 steps. Yeah, so I think uh, I came across Kimberly's um, profile and her 15 steps, I want to say a few years ago, you know, as you sort of uh, start your own business, you're constantly trying to find a better way to do things. And I think I was really um, excited to see how she had structured the process in a way that made so much sense. And, um, you know, I just feel if the process is structured then the creativity can flow. Um, and then there's more time for that. So you're not sort of reinventing the wheel with the process each project. So that sort of maintains some sense of organization. Um, it's such a good point because we don't really learn the business of design in school. And so to have someone like Kimberly and other business coaches out there who are making it easy, taking, taking that part of it um, out of the equation for us to have to learn on our own by pr providing this amazing template I love what you said uh, about the fact that once you have the process in place, it allows you to be more creative because that's why we get into this is because we, we want to be creatives. And what, you know, a lot of times as artists, what, we're not always great at business and, and then we have to take further steps to learn how to run our own companies and how to be managers of people and right. So I love that that, that yeah. you said that. Lots so you, of hats, yes. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. One thing I've realized is the more people you hire, the easier your job gets and the easier your life gets. Yes. Uh, and just finding that person to do the things that you're either not good at or you don't change or to grow the business and, and put those right people in place. So right. you, you had... Um, some touch points that you wanted to talk about today. And the first one being like the importance of defining the scope of work for a project. And I just wanted to see if you could walk us through how you do that. Sure. Yeah. So um, because I work on a fixed fee model, which is uh, what I prefer to do, 
I like to have a defined scope of work, which I feel sets you up for success um, by making sure that, you know, you, you've understood exactly what the deliverable is in the end and, and the client is aware of uh, what it's going to take to get to that specific deliverable. Um, the way that I sort of evaluate the projects is the first step is a Zoom call. You know, now that COVID has happened, Zoom seems to be very highly uh, accessible to everybody. So we do a video call basically to figure out what are the priorities of the project, learn more about the client's needs, understand what kinds of budgets they've thought about. So, and then also the scope, see if all of those are in alignment with each other. Um, the second step is a walkthrough. So the scope actually changes dramatically when we do the walkthrough because the client is always thinking about the scope from one perspective, but we are the ones who do the problem solving. And sometimes the problem solving requires a whole different approach than what they assumed it would be. So um, the, the walkthrough is really critical because it gives you a deeper sense of what can be achieved. And, and once the client sort of shares their priorities, you understand that the scope is bigger than, most often is bigger than what you first talked about. Definitely. So it sounds like your Zoom call is actually a discovery call, which is deciding if this is a qualified client who you want to take on and if they're a good fit for you. And then your walkthrough is actually the initial consultation, Correct. which is, so do you invoice for that initial com consultation? I don't. Um, I'm sort uh -oh. of, I think, one of those uh, outliers in that sense. Well, if I know Kimberly, I know she would tell you that you should start charging for the next one. <laughs> yeah, I've been really considering that because I think it it just is my time. So, you know, um, yeah. Yes. Well, I think it helps to weed out the people who are not quite serious and that, you know, it gives people a level of investment in you. And I've been charging for years, um, mostly due to uh, Kimberly's encouragement. And I'm up to $900 for an initial consultation. Yeah. And when someone says, well, we're interviewing other people and they're not charging us, it's like, well, I, I don't know how other people do their business, but there's a lot of time and effort and energy goes that goes into this. And mm -hmm. I always explain to them that fee basically covers the time for this discovery call, travel time to and from our appointment, two hours on site with you, travel time back, as well as putting together the scope of work, the letter of agreement and sending all that over. And I said, that just takes hours of time and, yeah. and we just need to be compensated for it. And, and when you when you invoice for your initial consultation and you're compensated, then you don't mind giving away all the answers and saying what, you know, specifics that you would do in a space as you walk through it instead of being vague. And then they don't have confidence in you because you don't want to give away your ideas. So yeah. I encourage you to definitely start charging for your initial consultation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been thinking about it myself. So I think it's probably a good idea now. Um, I think, you know, all of these things are just a comfort level and you should, you have to sort of feel comfortable about it and then you can actually say it out loud. Right. So, That's yeah. so true. And yeah. first time or two that you do it, you're like, oh gosh, this is easy. And I, yeah. you know, I can do this over and over. So you, you mentioned that you do a fixed fee and I was wondering if, is that for the whole design and project implementation and or is is do you do like a hybrid model where you do fixed fee up front for the design and then you go into hourly billing for for uh, project management yes that's what we're doing now is a, a fixed fee for design 
and then uh, an estimate of hours for the project management, which is hourly billing at our rates. Oh, good. Okay, that's great. I I know that um, that's a very popular model for doing it. Uh, yeah. We have switched over to billing for everything because we realized we were writing off a lot of hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and everything takes longer than you suppose that it will. And even if you're adding 20% to what you think it should be, it's probably going to be more than that. So we've also gotten really good about tracking all of our time <laughs> down to 15 minute increments. So yeah. um, that's a whole other topic, but. <laughs> no, that's uh, true. Yeah. Again, you, it's your comfort level, right? On how you run the business and what you feel is working for you. Definitely. Yeah. And that's the funny thing about this business is there, there is no straight way to do any one part of it. There are multiple different avenues to get to the same outcome and every design firm charges differently, invoices differently, and has a different level of skills and and different people on their team. One thing that I found interesting recently is that the more firms that I talk to about their teams and the roles within so many people are doing the same things and sometimes there's crossover, but they all have different titles, but we're all doing the same work. <laughs> and, and so that's, it's, there's no, um, there's no uh, exact definition or outline for the way a team should be structured. Um, but that's again, why I love the 15 steps because that is a definite outline and structure for the way in which you should run a project. And I, I have found it to be very successful for, for me and my business over the years. So when we were chatting before, you had mentioned something about closing the deal, which is a second touch point that you wanted to talk on. And the fact that you're able to basically close 80% of proposals, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that. This really begins at the discovery call is having both decision makers on the call. And that's something that I require. Um, I know quite a stick to smart. It. Yeah, it's sort of like, Let's just make sure everyone's at the table so that everyone's voice is heard on what their priorities are for this, you know, what they're expecting out of this uh, experience. So once all the decision makers are at these various touch points, like the discovery call and the walkthrough, when it's time to write the proposal, I sort of have heard everyone, you know, in, in whatever they want to bring to the table. So that's one aspect that helps it that helps me and it makes it easier for me to understand and put together something that makes sense talks to both their needs most often it's two people so you know it talks to both their needs and then um and both of them have the opportunity to ask multiple questions throughout the process because i think they most people haven't done this before so i think that it's new to them so it's like okay well, how do we do this or what, what do we expect here and, um the second thing is i talk about money quite early that's so great i think i am so i don't shy away from discussing estimates and furnishings budgets etc like just start to discuss things so that we're all on the same page i mean i think this is a big investment on their part and i want to make sure that i've heard them clearly and i've understood like is this even feasible or possible for what you want to do or this is what it's going to take i think there's an education that happens in these discussions so by the time again the proposal is written all this information is in the proposal and and you know we're talking about it for the second or third time, and there is a sort of right. understanding at that stage. So there's just no surprises, right? That's really my goal throughout this process: is no surprises. That's such a good point. I uh, love that. No surprises. Uh, 
in my experience, what I have found is that if you don't go through all of your steps and discuss all of the minutia of a, a letter of agreement, that you you tend to have surprises later in the project because people don't quite understand uh, or they didn't understand a certain clause or they don't know what your freight management fee is covering and they don't realize that if it does or doesn't include delivery, uh, they're not thinking about the fact that they should be budgeting for accessories to style a project. All of these hard conversations can be eliminated later on in the project if you just have them up front. So discussing money early such a big one. I think so many people uh, are a little uh, afraid to talk about money because a good majority of people are brought up, you know, to think that it's crass or, you know, not, it's not um, couth to talk about funds and money and finances, but that, that is literally the number one thing that I need to know in order to run a, a successful project is how much money do we have to work with? And right. ev- everybody has a budget in mind, no matter how much money they have. Yeah. And to you have to get that number out in the first place. And a lot of people, I love the other thing you said about educating the client. A lot of people don't really know what it's going to take and their expectation is not realistic. So I think that those assumptions are sort of to bed immediately at the beginning if these are sort of, you know, there's, there's an openness about it because we're going to continue to talk about these things throughout the project. Things are going to come up. So it's very important to feel comfortable about it and not, you know, awkward at all. Um, and the other thing that I think really helps in closing this, uh, you know, in getting approval on the proposals is I do them in person or on a Zoom call. I don't send it on an email. I've heard of so many designers who send the contract and the proposal in an email that I'm just uh, may surprise sometimes because I, you know, you've done all this work, but the client doesn't really know. They don't read it. They don't read it, um, some of it most of the time. Such so a I like point. to walk through it with them and and just be very, you know, every little line, step, clause, all aspects of it because it's a it's the actual document that's going to uh, feed into the process from the beginning till the end. Absolutely. Uh, That's so great that you're talking about this uh, in person or on a Zoom call with them. Um, Similarly, we have a call set up. We kind of review the contract in person a little bit during the initial consultation. I know Kimberly would say to read the entire thing line by line in person. Uh, What we end up doing is explaining the high level touch points with our letter of agreement. And then... um, we do send them the agreement in a PDF and then we schedule a Zoom call within a few days so that we can go through it with them at that point. Um, and I feel like, you know, just that step, that extra hand holding, going through, having a separate meeting to go through the contract, which is step two, it's, uh, you know, the letter of agreement and accepting the retainer. So that's, yeah. I love I love that you've made that part of your process as well to go through and again have those hard conversations up front, whatever, whatever sticking points. I'm curious, do you have any experience or can you tell us about an experience that was was not always going smoothly that you put into your agreement that you've found that you also need to bring up in person because oftentimes it's those tough conversations that we 
don't want to have or that may seem uncomfortable that are actually the ones that we must be sure that we're talking about <laughs> to yeah, bring up many many aspects so many points i mean you know um i think um, one of them is product markup right um it's how do you manage product markup that's a big question that most people have because every designer is doing it differently the second one is uh, domination like what happens if this doesn't work out and that's great i think those are yes. scary topics and i dive right into them i was like this has to feel good for everybody let's go on to your next touch point um we were chatting about um the project schedule deliverables uh and just setting expectations right so the project schedule i have found to be very successful um where i actually drop in exact uh either the month that the, a certain meeting is going to take place because we don't have a date usually in, in place at that time if we do then that's great too but uh, most often i lay out so say for example we're starting a project in august um the contract i, I would write in contract signed august uh, schematic design meeting uh, end of september Mm-hmm. you know design okay. development uh, or sit test october design development meeting november so all of our meetings are typically 4 weeks apart right and okay so the the client has this like very clear idea that okay if we sign the contract in august um you know procurement is only going to begin in december okay yes right at the earliest and of course we write in a little thing there saying you know if there's a cancellation or there's a revision then obviously things slide um, you know 4 weeks apart from there so so there's a very clear idea i think um and they can say okay then i also put in like okay procurement if we're if we're purchasing in december uh, you're expecting items to begin to like the installation would be in may or june that's great it sounds like uh very similar to the way that we would run uh, this is more for a, a decor and furnishings project and less right. less for renovation and and construction or a new build for sure but i i think that's probably the majority of listeners too um and that's really reasonable because like you said if you're if you're signing the contract in august uh you're not going to have trade day until end of september and then it's going to take 2 months to pull together the design and if you hit it out of the park the first time around by the time you're you know getting all the retainers um or or payments on the items then you're you're in december as you said and and these days <laughs> you know what whatever they tell you you should add an extra you know you know 2 or 3 months to it at times uh we've had issues in the past where you know we're trying to go off of a schedule of uh potential deliverable dates and 2 weeks before the item is supposed to ship they say it's going to be another 2 months or something and it's like yeah. oh you know you could have let us know this a heck of a lot sooner yeah. um but just had that happen <laughs> really right and you're counting on those items because you're scheduling your photo shoot and your install and right. um i'm curious how you've dealt with clients who are a little eager to move things along quicker in the process like how do you explain to a client that just because we're starting inciting your agreement this august this summer yeah. it's not going to be ready to be enjoyed until late spring or early summer next year if you're if we're lucky 
uh, how do we communicate that? Just like the way you said it. I have learned to say it and then be quiet. Perfect. That's so great. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's when it's going to happen. I wish I could tell you something different, but I, that's just how long things take. I love that honesty and th- that frankness up front. And it really sort of shows the client that you're not trying to overpromise. And I, and that's something that I really appreciate about uh, Kimberly's way with people is those all those negative, tough things that we try to shield our clients from and protect them from. She just throws it out there and says, "No, this is going to be hard, and it's going to be stressful, and yeah. you know, there's going to be times when we're." you know, at, at odds a little bit. And we're, what the key is though, is that we will get through this together. We're a team. We're on your side. And as I always tell clients, we are your trusted advisors and design guides here to lead you through the process every step of the way. And we yeah. literally celebrate each step as it unfolds and as it happens. And during our, our weekly uh, emails to clients, we send uh what we are working on now, what we've completed, and what's coming up next. And we always talk about this is the step we're on, and here's the step coming up. So, yeah, that's I, true. I find that when you tell clients where you are in the process every step of the way, um, they they feel like they're making progress, and yeah. um, it's super helpful. So, how do you achieve the best results? In a project, I think this is a big one for me because as I was, as we were chatting earlier, as you grow in your business, you also learn to have a stronger voice, and you can truly be the expert in the room. I think because you've gained that experience, and you, you know, real time experience. And I feel that earlier I used to tiptoe around clients and really uh, want to please them, but uh, you know, I think there was a there was a gap there because I, I feel like I was saying things to make them happy rather than being the expert. And, you know, so I think the biggest change has been if you want the best results, you have to show up to the client as an expert because that's what they're really hiring you for and that's what they're looking for. And Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things is, um, you know, they, they don't do this. So I think that's, Assuming that they know how the process is going to go, assuming that they know what they want, they don't know any of those things. They just want to have a feeling at the end of the day. At the end of the day, they want to walk into that space and, and have that feeling that they're yearning for. That's why they've come to you. How you get there is really up to you. That's great. That's so true. The, it, what we often discuss with clients is the fact that we're less concerned with how you say you want a space to look and more concerned with how you want to feel in the space and how you want your guests to feel in the space and what do you want it to say about you and right. what do you want it to reflect about your values and your lifestyle and uh, yes. that's so good how do you try to make sure that a client is going to enjoy the process as much as the final outcome so again, you know, in the way that I do the other four steps, I'm really very, um, I, I guess I don't sugarcoat it. I'm a pretty straightforward person and I, and I present that way. I used to present in a very salesy way and now I present like 
this is my personality this is how you're going to see me and the people who like that approach we have hmm. a very successful project people who don't like it are the 20% of the proposals i don't get so the people who are not ideal clients weed right. themselves out because right. you're not a good fit necessarily yeah because i'm going to say things that they may or may not like which is i think is my job i'm like you know what if we're going to take a million dollars and make something with it that's a that's a responsibility that's my responsibility i'm going to take that seriously and i'm going to give you my best work so you know the alignment is really crucial in my opinion right in the beginning and um, even though every project doesn't look the same in my portfolio there is definitely a thread that runs through the work so i want them to do their research actually and say you know of these three designers who do we align with in terms of aesthetic and in terms of personality those are two very big components at the end of the day we will serve the client but in order to enjoy the process we have to really feel passionate and creatively engaged in that and i i cannot do something that i don't believe in so true i love that it's uh i think what you're saying is to make sure that you are a good fit for one another, that right. you and the client both have a similar vision, that you're on the same page, that you have the same goals. And if they're interviewing other designers and, and they don't choose you, then they've done you a favor because they weren't the right fit for you. Yeah. And I, I think that's a key thing to keep in mind when you don't get a project. It's like, that didn't work out for a good reason. And yeah. you're saving yourself headaches in the end because either they realized it wasn't a good fit for them or you realize it wasn't a good fit for you, but yeah. either way you're winning. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally believe in that because I feel that it's a very personal process, whether you like it or not. Every aspect of it is very personal. Like we're going to be in each other's lives for two years at a minimum. Uh, you have to like me, I have to like you. <laughs> I'm going to be in and out of your house, you know, and, and it's okay if that doesn't work and, and, and it's great if it does. So, uh, you know, there's enough work out there. There's enough amazing designers that will be a better fit. And, and I always in, uh, encourage people to meet other designers before they settle on who they want to work with. You know? It's really smart. And it's just sounds like you've grown and learned to come from a place of authenticity and a, from a genuine place uh, being yourself and not, not being too salesy and just allowing your personality to shine through. And as a straight shooter, like that's who you are. And yes. if that puts off anyone, then, then they're not your client and that's okay. okay. The last point about that is really that if all those things are good, right. If, if they're in alignment and if they, if you're a good fit personality wise, the creativity will just be, unimaginable and I think that's where we sort of get stuck in that box is where we're trying to fit into this box of what a client says they want rather than showing them something completely out of that box which you could be rejected for but I think it's a risk worth taking oh my gosh you can't see this I have goosebumps you're giving me chills right now I love this because it's so true a client doesn't always know what they want and they they 
describe things a certain way or they tell you something, but then the pictures, the inspiration images they show you are not in alignment with that. So a, an experienced designer or someone who listens is going to take all of that information from the initial discovery call to the initial consultation and uh, listening to and getting to know the client. And if you have a questionnaire, reviewing their inspiration images and putting all of that through your lens of experience and your creative um, viewpoint and presenting something that is beyond their expectation or their imagination. We are pushing people a little bit outside of their comfort zone. And in my experience, it is when a client is willing to go there and take the leap that they're far more thrilled and enthusiastic about the final outcome because those bold movements or those things that were scary, those design decisions that feel out of your comfort zone are often what we find in the at the end of a project that a client says, I love this so much. I never would have picked it, but I absolutely love it. And it's the thing that people compliment when people when their guests come over to the house. And <laughs> that's that exactly it. Brings so much joy. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you could go back in the past and meet yourself and give yourself some advice <laughs> when you were first starting out in business. What, what would you tell yourself? It's going to be hard. It's going to take time. Be patient. That's great. And what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've learned from a coach or a mentor, a colleague? I think it's to be comfortable in who you are. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I love that. I think you have to put in the time and the effort. And it takes time to get to a place where, I mean, I don't think I know anything that, uh, you know, yet in this industry, because I feel like there's been so much learning, but there are certain things that are in place and I would encourage younger designers to work for other people, be open. And uh, I think that's one of the key things that I would love if, if uh, people listening would take away is that you almost have to invest that time into learning before you go off on your own. That's great. Thank you so much, Sasha. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. And I would uh, love for you to just tell our listeners where they can find you on social media or your website as well. Thanks so much, Dane, for having me. It was so fun. Yeah, so my, um, I'm on Instagram, um, Sasha Tind, S-A-S-H-Y-A-T-H-I-N-D. And uh, my website is also www.sashiatind.com. Fabulous. Thank you so much to Kimberly and Cheryl for having Sasha and myself on the show. I appreciate it. And if anyone's curious to find me, you can find me on Instagram at Dane Austin Design or DaneAustinDesign.com. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you had a few ahas and golden nugget takeaways today. And I look forward to seeing you all soon. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. 
What are you waiting for? Start today.